Bilbo and the Dwarves finally reach Lake Town. Today we explore how Peter Jackson's second Hobbit film, The Desolation of Smog, adapts the chapter A Warm Welcome from J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. If you've seen the film, then you'll know that Thorin and company would likely have left a horrible review if they had rated the hospitality of Lake Town. Between being smuggled under dead fish, being refused medicine, and climbing out of toilets, I don't think Bilbo would have gave it five stars. But if you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Every time you do, it helps more Middle-Earth Wanderers find the show and explore Tolkien's world and works with us. Now, let's wander. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This chapter's on-screen adaptation begins about 1 hour and 13 minutes into the extended edition, with Bard the Bowman confronting the dwarves by the river, and it ends about 1 hour and 48 minutes in as the dwarves take boats towards the mountain. This particular segment of the movie is heavy on adaptation. Basically, the only similarity is that there's a run-down town of men on the lake with a master, and then the dwarves leave the lake town. Other than those high-level similarities, the differences are quite remarkable. Instead of a play-by-play rehash of the film segments, let's focus on three key differences. The Master, the Bowman, and the Prophecy. While the chapter is light on details about the town, its politics, and its master, the intricacies of commerce and the simmering political revolt takes central stage in the film. The first interaction we have with the Master is with his right-hand man, Alfred a completely made-up character who, in my opinion, adds nothing to the film. Alfred is the stereotypical sniveling henchman of a narcissistic master. He's technical with the law, even causing fish to be dumped into the lake though people are hungry. The master himself is a self-conceited, gluttonous drunk who won't give up his power. I can't help see the similarities between the master of Lake Town and Denethor and Gondor in The Lord of the Rings. Each reveled in the power and comfort that their station gave them, while neither actually fulfilled their duty to rule the people, and each would be supplanted by a more humble man who actually espoused the qualities of leadership, Bard in The Hobbit and Aragorn in The Lord of the Rings. I suppose we could give The Hobbit some points for plot parallels. But the Master and Alfred show no respect for the law that they supposedly care so much about, as Alfred slinks away to write an ancient law targeted at suppressing Bard. The people's disdain for the master is demonstrated in the scene where the dwarves knock out a few soldiers. Clearly, the people never had the guts to attack the master's men, and as another one investigates, the people cover for the dwarves. Later on, the master is measuring his golden coins, which matches his one descriptive line from the book. After the dwarves leave, 
it's clear the master has no love or sympathy for his people, as his soldiers push them out of the way. And in a new low, they turn away the sick and poisoned Keeley. Let's wrap up this exploration of the Master of Lake Town like this. The film takes the few lines that describe the master, stretches them to their most extreme, mixes in a large helping of their own nasty adaptation, and adds a dash of invented characters. Unlike the chapter as written, Bard is the main character of this sequence. He displays excellent bow skills when he first encounters the dwarves, almost enough to put Legolas to shame. He's also given some extra backstory, poor clothing, a deceased wife, and three mouths to feed. Or as Balin says, Barnes. I had to look that term up, it's a Scottish word for children. Bard also warns the dwarves of asking for help, indicating the damaged barrels and saying he knows where they came from. This is in reference to the book where the master of the town benefits from trade with the elven king and is hesitant to help the dwarves. But Bard smuggles the dwarves into town in what seems like a sudden season change, going from a warm autumn to an icy winter lake, quite a far cry from the warm welcome. And Bilbo is the only one among the company who asks him his name, showing how polite hobbits are, especially compared to dwarves. Later on, we meet one of Bard's kids, who inform him that the house is being watched. What follows is an elaborate sequence, featuring a cameo by Stephen Colbert, which all leads to a couple of spies sitting outside Bard's house. Which leads me to question, couldn't those spies in the boat just watch for Bard to come home? Why all the elaborate signals that could obviously be misinterpreted or not even seen at all? Anyway, the conversations at Bard's house reveal the distinction between dwarves and men. First, his daughter asks if dwarves will bring them luck, as if dwarves were just as fantastical and unfamiliar a creature to her as they are to us. Then the dwarves disbelieve the story about the loose scale on the dragon's chest, a story, by the way, that the dwarves will discover in a much different way in the book. Lastly, the dwarves refuse the low-quality weapons. While Bard is willing to be resourceful, the dwarves think it's a joke. But Bard picks up on Balin's using Thorin's name, which sets him to pondering outside. More on this in a moment. Unlike the master, Bard is gracious enough to bring in sick dwarves, even though they have just ruined not only his reputation, but also dared to awaken the dragon, and endanger all the people's lives. That's the master and Bard. All we have left to explore is the prophecy. We'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The narrator in this chapter pointed to a lot of songs and legends that the people of Lake Town had passed down regarding the King of the Mountain returning. Indeed, the one recorded song in the chapter talks about rivers running in gold when the Mountain King returns. While discussing the weapons, Bard is piqued by the reference to Thorin. Outside, he sees the lonely mountain in the distance and starts to put the puzzle together. 
He goes back to the market, searching for an old tapestry that outlines the royal bloodline, and he finds that Thorin is the heir to the Dwarven kingdom. The people begin talking. Rumors are flying, prophecy is mentioned, as well as jewels and gold. Bard begins to quote the old prophecy, which is loosely based from the song in the chapter, quote, The lord of the silver fountains, the king of carven stone, the king beneath the mountain shall come into his own. As Bard runs off, for whatever reason in my head, I think he's running to chime some huge bells, like the line of prophecy in the film says. Maybe something like the bell drum on the planet Ferex and, and or season one. Or maybe not. But no. Bard is more concerned about preventing the last line from happening. Quote, but all shall fail in sadness, and the lake will shine and burn. Now this last line is changed quite a bit from the book. The film ends the prophecy with a dire warning. Quote, but all shall fail in sadness, and the lake will shine and burn. Whereas the song in the book is much more positive. Quote, all sorrow fail and sadness, which I read as all sorrow and sadness will fail when the mountain king returns. To me, the song as written hints at the theme of hope and optimism that Tolkien often wove into his works. But another common theme seems to be highlighted by the prophecy, as Bard says it in the movie, the theme of sorrow. The film version of the prophecy, while rearranging some of Tolkien's words, still fits in a Tolkien world. When the dwarves are finally revealed to the master and the people, Thorin makes full use of the prophecy, reminding the people of their once proud town, using lines from the chapter, and promising that wealth will flow from the mountain. Bard is not so sure. He counsels against the quest, fearing the dragon fire. Suddenly, Bard seems less the hero of the people, but the master sees his opportunity to discredit Bard. Finally, the warm welcome from the master comes. The dwarves are fitted out with supplies, weapons, and armor, even though the party lasts only one night, not the couple of weeks that are hinted at in the book. To great fanfare, the master makes a fine speech, as if the dwarves have already won, and the dragon already dead. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, 
can we do dad adventure dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within 5 or 10 minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.